Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Except no substitute. Well, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. This is still the number one Millwall podcast. Welcome to this special double header recording session today. Um, I'm due to speak to Crazy Horse himself, Neil Andrews, later on this afternoon to consider the weighty question of Millwall's worst ever manager. I know that you'll have a, a few views and opinions on that, dear listeners. Do tune in for that show. We're going to record that this afternoon. But first, I thought, what better way to spend this Merinayam, uh what's the day today? I've lost track of it. It's a Monday morning. It's a Monday morning. I've lost track of what day of the week it is. This Merinayam Monday morning, then to consider a bit of Millwall news. It's a very strange situation that we're in at the moment, listeners, isn't it? No football for Millwall. Um, what football there is still on TV has that kind of empty, so what quality. Um... The Lions' season has been a strange one so far, and I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. I'm looking at the South London Press website, um, londonnewsonline.co.uk, a mixture of stories on there. They've done really well to rustle up some Millwall stories because there's really not much to work with at the moment. So fair play to all the journalists out there covering our club. Story here about potential ambition in the transfer window, the looming transfer window, which could make or break our season. At the moment, we're drifting along in just under the lower mid-table part of the division, of course, aren't we, after that run of awful, awful form in recent um, recent weeks. But Gary Rowett has been speaking to London News Online, talking about transfer options. Story here, Mill Boss Rowett. We explore transfer options all the year round, not just when the window opens. This is a story by Richard Corley of the London News Online referring to the forthcoming transfer window. The Lions can do business from January the 1st onwards. And Gary Rowett is expecting Mill to show a little bit of ambition in quotes. So that must have come from the horse's mouth himself. A little bit of ambition in the January transfer window. Uh, young striker Troy Parrott has been linked with a return to Tottenham. We, we've mentioned that previously. That's well known on the media, in the media and on social media online, with the Republic of Ireland International not commanding a starting position in recent weeks. 
Um, also, Kenneth Zahor from West Brom has missed most of the campaign since his temporary switch a few months ago, and that's been due to a calf injury. His deal runs until the middle of January. Uh, now, Gary Rowett has revealed that he was in a lengthy recruitment meeting on Tuesday, just gone, discuss, discussing potential moves. Gary Rowett says, we've been assessing our options for the, for the last month, but you do that all through the year. People tend to think you get to the window and start looking at it then, but we like to look at it all year round. That's good to hear. We constantly monitor it. We have a list of players who we like, and we have contact with certain agents, and they'll ring you before January. Um, sounds like a kind of a merry-go-round circus, doesn't it, rather, listeners? But I suppose that's the reality of recruitment in any industry, not just football. It's just football's the one that we 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 all love and refer constantly back to. Um, so Gary had a long Zoom meeting on Tuesday. Two hours worth, going through our options and what we want to do. It's a big window for us, says Gary. It's an important window. It's a window in which I'd like to freshen things up a little bit. We're at a point where that would be a good thing, to freshen some options up and maybe one or two players who haven't played much could potentially go and play more football elsewhere. That's normal. Um, and he uses this DA word again. We're going to try and show a little bit of ambition and bring some good players in. Now... I mean, we've mentioned Kenneth Zahor there, and, and let's be honest, uh, Troy Parrott arrived with much um, fanfare. It hasn't worked out for the boy, and if he does go back to Spurs, that's probably going to be the best for him. I, I imagine they'll put him out on loan again to somewhere else where maybe he will command more of a starting position. Um, we haven't really seen the best of him at the Den, and I don't think we will do now. The little bit we saw of Kenneth Zahor links in with what I think Rowett is referring to there, that need for quality. I think that's the Q word quality is where this season will turn. What quality can we bring in in January? Um, it sounds like um, the club are making noises to be ambitious. So clearly the idea of settling for a mid-table finish doesn't sit right with, uh, with Gary Rowett. He's not come here to achieve mid-table respectability he said that in the past I think in fairness to him although there have been some difficult um, games to watch as, as, a, as, a, as a spectator in, in this kind of opening half of the season so far I think he is an ambitious man and clearly that's the that's the point and purpose of these remarks to to the London news online um, so it just concludes says there's going to be a lot of moving parts so I imagine some toing and throwing. Hopefully that gives us the opportunity, whichever way we look at it, to strengthen the squad in a different way. Now, interestingly, there's two linked stories. One regarding Ben Thompson. Gary Rowett is not expecting Ben Thompson to ask for a loan move away from Millwall. Portsmouth are interested in another temporary deal for the midfielder, 20, age 25, in the last transfer window. Um, that doesn't sound like that's what Gary Rowett wants to happen. It sounds as though... He must have spoken to Ben. He must have had some frank conversations about Ben's likelihood to start. And we have seen a bit more, more of him in recent um, games, haven't we? So that's an interesting story. So the, the implication there is that Ben will be staying, which I think most of us will regard as, as a good thing. Um, a story linked with a, well, it's a photograph of Yuri uh, Skalak, um, but it's not referred to directly in the certainly in the um, you know the front page paragraph. Millwall boss expects some of his squad to be assessing move options 
in the January window. And there's a picture of Yuri Skalak warming up there. Um, and the paragraph um, says, Gary Rowett knows that some of his Millwall squad are likely to be eyeing the exit door when the transfer window opens on January the 1st. Um, so the implication clearly is that Yuri is being shown the, 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 the Ryanair um, timetable to Prague um, and possibly one or two others too. Maybe there are others. I doubt that it's John Daddy Bodvarsson now, listeners. How do you feel about John Daddy? Um, he was, you know, lumped in the same um, category as 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 Jerry Scalak for a long time, wasn't he? Um, but there is a story here on the on the London News. Um, Mill striker John Daddy um, speaking about his new carefree approach, which is paying off. Um, and he reckons that his miss against Cardiff City has been a turning point in in his Millwall career. The Icelandic international failed to even hit the target when he slipped through the against the, the Welsh side at the end of November. It was a glaring miss. I'm sure it still exists in your memory as much as it does mine, dear listener. Um, but he says here, um, it's a, a fair comment. This is criticism that... Um, um, no, it says at the time in SE16... Has not gone as he envisaged when he arrived on Iceland International. So he says, yes, it's a fair comment. Especially the first season was a disappointment. I won't hide from that fact. I don't know where it came from, but I feel more confident now. I had a great chance against Cardiff and I completely messed it up. In a weird way, it made me think, what's the worst that can happen now? Well, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's not a bad approach to life, actually, is it? If you've, if you've done the worst thing you can do, apart from putting through your own net, perhaps. Um, but from a striking perspective, that's probably as awful a miss as it, as it can get. Some say that's harsh, but that's 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 what he's paid to do, and he didn't do it. So he says, as a centre-forward, you do miss chances, but after that one, I felt really down. But it spun round in other directions. I thought, OK, this happened, and it can't get much worse. What should you do about it? I just kept on working hard, grinding out the training sessions and doing my best when I had the opportunity. I don't think it matters how experienced you are. These kinds of difficult moments wear on you. It, may, I may, it made me think I approach things in a, I should approach things in a more carefree way. Now I feel more confident than ever. Bud Varson scored from close range against QPI, ended a 20-match run for club and country without a goal. Um, he says it was a great, massive weight off my shoulders. But also, I was just really happy to get my first goal of the season. He celebrated by putting his fingers in his ears. Um, John Daddy says it was nothing cynical or aggressive to our own fans. After the Cardiff game, I got a lot of really nasty messages, not only towards me, but towards my family members. That is a side of the game that I really, really don't like. And, and I know that, um, you know, the modern social media world allows you anonymity and the ability to post direct messages to people. Um, and it gets very, it gets very, very out of order very quickly. I don't know how you feel about this, dear listener. Are you a poster of direct um, nasty messages? Are you, are you listening to this show? I hope not. I hope maybe you tune into other, other, um, other, other channels if that's the case. I don't like that kind of thing. It's, it's not right. Um, and you know, family members getting brought into football in the way that John Daddy and there's plenty of other examples in the game, isn't there? But it's just not right, and some, sometimes you've got to say that. Um, so when, when he scored, he said, all the feelings came over I me. Mean, the first thing that came to mind was just aimed at those people with those nasty messages because they weren't great. 
I'm passionate about things, and when I scored, I got emotional. Now, I don't know, I'm going to, is, is this controversial? Because I know he got slated for doing the old cupped ears thing. <clears throat> and, it, you know, he would have taken some shit, wouldn't he, from people? But if, it's, if, he's, if he's been taking personalised messages, family messages, um, and then you can put one away, and you feel like the weight's taken off your back, who amongst us... Um, who listening to this show would not feel a little bit like saying fuck you to the senders of those messages? I know I would. I bet you would too, dear listener. So as much as it was, you know, there was a general um, laughter air, wasn't there, when John Daddy scored and cupped his, 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 his um, hands to his ears as though he's won the, um, the World Cup or something. But you kind of get it, can't you, when, when you think that he's been taking, um, you know, abusive messages and messages towards his family too so um there we are he's playing with a more carefree attitude so if that's that's how it's worked out then it's 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 all good and a passing reference to the new b&b strike partnership with tom bradshaw we seem to find each other quite well says john daddy he started the attack against um forest of course with a, a, a left hand run we find each other quite well. He drove, I drove as far as possible into the box and tried to find him, and it worked. Unfortunately, we couldn't win. It was a tight game. The point was probably fair. So well done, John Daddy. Um, you know, at the end of the day, what we're all wanting, everyone listening to this show, I hope, everyone going to the den, I hope, wants is a mill team that fires on all cylinders and a strike force that can actually look dangerous. And last couple of games, we don't want to over, overplay our hand, but... Um, the B&B strike force has looked for the first time in a very long time, maybe since Morrison and Gregory, like a partnership, like a, a, a duo up front. And um, more power to both Tom Bradshaw and to John Daddy's um, elbows. Um, and it must feel good. It must feel really good to get a goal and to stick it to your critics. So, you know, I think that's that. maybe that will put a, a different perspective on things from uh, from the the message sender's point of view, I don't know, maybe it doesn't. Achtung, Mailball. We're in the midst, of course, of a Merinayam COVID break at the moment. Um, no game against Watford tomorrow night, postponed due to the, the curse of COVID. Um, next game now due to be on Saturday, which will be a home game versus Coventry City. Let's hope that um, there's a rejuvenation amongst the squad and also the beginnings of the recycling, the reju rejuvenation of the squad, and that we can indeed press on in January because I think that's that's um, the, the season is not yet lost, and with hopefully 2021 looking a little bit brighter, the vaccination program. Um, I'm having mine, incidentally, listeners. If if that, I don't, I know there's a lot of skeptics out there about it, but. Um, if it buys me freedom, I'll, I'll, I'll submit my mind to control by Bill Gates and the 5G conspiracy. This is, it means I get back down to den, so be it. So I'm going to have mine. That's first chance I get in the new year. One last piece of news before we move on to the random fixture section. Um, goalkeeper Bartosz Bielkowski has triggered a, a one-year contractual extension at Millwall. 33 years old now, Bart. Um, he had a 12-month uh, extra period of contract which he's triggered from his side um, and he's been a great acquisition I mean it's quite strange when you think that there was a kind of an air of injury hanging over him when he first arrived and Frank Fielding 
actually took the field in his place back last season, the start of last season, until he got injured. And that was one of the most fortuitous injuries, perhaps. That's cruel. I shouldn't be saying that, should I? Worked out very well from the Lions' perspective that Frank Fielding was then put on the bench after treatment. And Bielkowski took his place in goal. Um, there we are, great goalkeeper. One of the best I've seen in a Mill shirt. And he's triggered a one-year contractual extension, which is to the benefit of both Bartos and Millwall Football Club. So well done, Bart. Player of the season last season, and um, let's hope, um, you know, he's certainly a contender this season, I'd say, and possibly um, let's hope for next season too. But let's move along, dear listeners. Let's move on to the random fixture section. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to After Normal. Now, random.org have thrown up the random year of 1955, five years before I was born. Um, and as you'll find, dear listener, wherever you are in your life, um, there's the weird process of um, your life, you know, the, the, the time when you were born looking like ancient history when you look back at it. Certainly, I mean, this is five years before I was born, so this will be, um, you know, that kind of great, the great death before you existed. Um so 1955, we're talking about a very, very different time in the world, um, 10 years after the end of the Second World War. country just starting to come out of post-war austerity. The country was bankrupt at the end of the Second World War. We, we'd blown um, everything in the, in the struggle. And unfortunately, um, you know, it took a long time for the, uh, 
for the for the for there to be a feel good kind of, you know a, a kind of revival of national wealth and 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 national spirit and at this time i think it's probably still fairly gray fairly grim times but football was always there to to console us um maybe not so much at millwall because these were tough times uh third division south the uh the effects of the war on the area new cross and for that matter the den the den had been hit by bombs during the second second world war and it took some while, really. I mean, the, the, prior to the start of the conflict, the Lions were pressing for promotion to the top flight. Um, after the Second World War, we finished as a third division South mainstay. We had to be re-elected, finished in the, in the bottom two in a couple of seasons. And these were grim and tough times. But footballers were expected at Christmas. I know we talk about fixture overload in this day and age dear listeners but how about this for december 1955 our random year um christmas eve 24th of december 1955 we get beat at reading 4-1 but at five and a half thousand at reading we then play again on boxing day two days later we play coventry get beat nil two on the 27th the day after we play coventry 5-1, a, a goal scored by Alex Jardine, who I'm going to come back to. I'm going to come back to two of these these these, these uh, scorers that I'm going to mention. So Alex Jardine. And then on the 31st of December, um, the game I'm going to come refer to briefly, and, and, and two, one of the scorers, uh, we draw two all on the 31st of December at Crystal Palace in front of 12,000. Goals by Summers and McDowell. I'm going to come back to Johnny Summers. So Alex Jardine who scored at Coventry, a penalty, and then Johnny Summers, who scored one of the two goals at Selhurst Park um, in that two-all draw on the 31st. But let's just have a quick look at that week, the Christmas week, dear listener. On the 24th, you've got four games in a week. 24th, the Boxing Day 26th, day after 27th, and then on the 31st at Crystal Palace. Um, No substitutes. Basically, your starting 11 is your finishing 11, um, unless you lost blokes along the way for injury. That is what I call a fixture pile-up. And I think also you've got to take your hat off to the men that actually did that. I mean, I, I know the modern game is is now seen as an elite athlete, athletes, you know, athletic event. I, I get the, um, you know, the, the difference in training and, and preparation. But I don't care who you are. <laughs> And, uh, you know, four games, four games of football in a week over the Christmas period on pitches then that would be um, mud baths using footballs made of old school leather. Um, that would have been tough by anyone's standards. I wouldn't have fancied that, would you? Maybe there's a different um, expectation of life and, and, and endurance back then. So four games in seven days over Christmas of December 1955. I've selected... The two players I've mentioned, Alex Jardine, who scored a penalty in the away defeat at Coventry. That was on December the 27th in front of 24, nearly 25,000 up, um, up at Coventry. Um, and then on, in the two-all draw at the Crystal Palace, I've selected the, the Palace game just because it's a local derby. And, you know, normally I'll, I'll, there's normally just one fixture to go for. But I've gone for the Palace game. So I've got an actual report here from the Norwood... News, the Norwood News. 
updated um, post-game, uh, so actually the, the Friday edition after the game, January the 6th, 1956. Um, Millwall net twice in the first 15 minutes. Crystal Palace 2, Millwall 2. The um, author of the piece is not named, he just has his initials, PJW. This is who wrote the, the article. It was a fast and furious game at Selhurst Park on Saturday afternoon in this local derby. The Palace defence showed many weaknesses, but there was little chance of accurate passing by either team because of the mud. Mud was a big factor in football back then, kids. In the seventh minute, Mill broke through with their first attack and Pryor centred for Summers. Johnny Summers, going to come back to him to score the opening goal, 1-0. Ray Brand, a 21-year-old Mill centre-half, playing in his first league match, survived the far-from-typical game remarkably well. He remained cool under pressure, well supported by Anslow and Vetch. Eight minutes after the first goal, Mill scored from a corner by Johnson. The ball went to Summers, who passed to McDowell, enabling him to shoot the ball into the corner net. 2-0 Millwall. Um, five minutes before half-time, however, uh, Deakin scored for Palace from a pass by Andrews. And Palace tied it up in the 57th minute from a shot by Tilston, who slammed the ball high into the net after it had been rebounded from a Millwall man. During most of the second half, the Palace keeper had little to do. Palace continually milled around the Millwall goal but failed to score because of the strong defence of Millwall. Finlayson, Malcolm Finlayson, in the Millwall goal, was on form and made some fine saves despite a cracked finger bone. These were tough men, listeners, weren't they? Cracked finger bone. Just before half-time, Palace made one last effort and swept down, it must be full-time, um, and swept down the field with nothing in their, in their way. Um, their chances seemed good, but their attempts were foiled by the whistle. That must have been the full-time whistle. Uh, the middle team for that game at Palace, I'll, I'll read it out. I won't bother with the Palace team. We don't do that, do we? So, uh, two all, it finished. It's December the 31st, 1955, on the cusp of New Year's Day, 1956. We have um, just 11 players, Finlayson, Vetch, Anslow, Stan Anslow, I think, Hencher, Ray Brand, mentioned in the report, Rawson, Johnson, F. Smith, Johnny Summers, and McDowell and Pryor. Those are the 11, the Mill 11 in that two-all draw at Crystal Palace. This would be a hard season for the Lions, but harder for Crystal Palace. We finished just above the bottom two um, re-election spots. This was the, the bottom tier of the Football League, Division 3 South. And we would finish this season third from bottom. Um, Palace finished below us in the 23rd spot. With Swindon Bottom, they both had to seek re-election from the other clubs, which was normally done. I think it was just on the nod that uh, very few teams at this time, one or two exceptions, but very few were actually thrown out of the league at this point. That would change in the in the um, in the nineties, I think, when automatic promotion relegation would start from the uh, the reformed non-league scene into Division Four, um, the League Two, as we call it nowadays. So this, in this season, 1955-56, Mill would finish 22nd in the 3rd Division South, just above Crystal Palace and Swindon in 23rd and 24th, and they would seek re-election to the Football League. Now, I've selected two players. One, Johnny Summers from that team, who is an interesting um, character, an interesting storyline in his own right. Um, he was a striker, Johnny Summers. 
Uh, played for Millwall after it began with Fulham. Joined Norwich in nineteen fifty to fifty four. Scored thirty three goals in seventy one appearances for Norwich. He was a good goal scorer. Listeners, born in Hammersmith, John Henry Summers, born in Hammersmith in nineteen twenty seven. He would die very young, nineteen sixty two, aged just thirty four years old. Played for the Lions from nineteen fifty four to fifty six. Scored 41 goals in 91 appearances. That's a pretty good strike rate. That's not far short of um, a goal every other game, right? Now, that's a pretty good strike rate at any any level. Uh, left the Lions in 1956 for Charlton Athletic, where his strike rate would improve. Charlton had been promoted in the mid-50s to the first division. Um, so he left the Lions. Um, I'm just reading from the, the Wikipedia. It must be written by a Charlton fan. Um, it, it describes his debut for Millwall in the opening game of the 1955-56 season against Brighton in front of 25,000 at the Den. In a 2-0 win, he disappointed the fickle crowd. The fickle? Are we fickle? A fickle Millwall crowd? And after a few weeks, he disappeared into the reserves, surfacing again the following January as a left winger. From that time, he never looked back and was one of the most fearsome and lethal forwards seen at the Den in years. I mean, just to go back to the scoring record there, 91 appearances, 41 goals. Goal every other game, pretty much. His transfer to Charlton for their, their first season, or their last season in the old first division, was regretted by Mill fans, but seen as inevitable. Um, so that was that strike rate there. 100 goals for Charlton from 171 appearances from 1956 to 61. Um, sadly, and I think it is... Deeply sad because clearly um, to pass away at the age of 34, still scoring goals up until relatively late in in his life. Um, he died of cancer aged 34 in 1962. Um, what, a, what a performance. He took part in the, a very famous fixture <clears throat> that lives in Charlton folklore. Um, you'll probably see it in one or two record books as one of the greatest comebacks in football history when Charlton were losing to Huddersfield at the Valley. Uh, they were 5-1 down with only 10, uh, ten men uh, half an hour to go. So 5-1 down, 10 men, half an hour to go, and they came back to win it 7-6. And this was, that was a second division game at the Valley on the 21st of December 1957. Johnny Summers scored five goals for the, uh, for the Valiants there, setting up two and scoring a six-minute hat-trick. Um, and his secret, he later revealed, in the style of the old um, Billy's Boots, uh, the old um, Royal Rovers comic strip, Billy's Boots, but he revealed he changed his foot, uh, boots at half-time after his old pair had started falling apart. That wouldn't help your game. And his new boots helped Johnny Summers, former Millwall striker, now Charlton striker, to that incredible feat. I think that's, you know... you. <laughs> You may never see a, 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 a performance like that. Five goals, setting up two, and scoring a six-minute hat-trick and a 7-6 win after being 5-1 down with just 30 minutes to go. So rest in peace, Johnny Summers. Um, probably a bigger Charlton legend than Millwall legend, but certainly a, a valuable Millwall player. Uh, 91 appearances, 1954-56, 41 goals. Johnny Summers, rest in peace. I think that's... That's appropriate. Achtung, Mailball. Now then, I also selected Alex Jardine. And the reason I selected Alex Jardine um, being that when you do a search on the British newspaper archive, it generates other 
other stories relating to the time um, that you're searching for. So this story, I had to, there are two, two linked stories and I had to go for this one because this is a Daily Mirror story dated the 5th of January, so shortly after um, this, the game we've just mentioned, the two-all draw with, with Crystal Palace. Um, Daily Mirror, Mill are flayed by ex-captain after putting him on the transfer list. The club are making a scapegoat out of me, says Alex Jardine. I seem to be the sacrifice, he says, speaking to Frank McGee of the Daily Mirror. Frank McGee, very famous journalist, big-time journalist, uh, probably been starting out just in his young career at this point, 1956, early months of. So the story goes, Alex Jardine was shocked yesterday when he heard that he had been put on Mill's transfer list and he thinks he's being blamed for the team's poor form. The fullback Alex cost Mill only £700. £700. Um, this would be a few years before. Isn't it? The early 50s. I'll check that in a moment. But he cost 700 quid, um, And he's played almost continually for the first team. He kept in the side for a long spell. But now he's annoyed and bitter about this transfer, which is not at his own request. He says, it looks as though the club are trying to make me the scapegoat for the team's recent poor form. It's not like me ought to have scapegoats, listeners, is it? Um, nothing new in this world, is it? One thing you do learn with any study of history is that the, it's, it's a merry-go-round rather than, you know, anything new. Um, under the subheading, Gates have dropped, it says, Millwall, second from the bottom of the third division south, have only 16 points from 25 games. They've only won two of their 13 home league games. They're out of the cup and gates have dropped to around 5,000 in the early season. It was much, much higher. Jardine joined Mill from Dundee United and says, speaking to the mirror, I seem to be the sacrifice they're offering up to the fans for all of this. The way I have been put on the transfer list makes it look as if, as if there's been a breach of discipline on my part. I deny it. I deny that strongly, but I won't try to pretend there isn't friction between myself and the club. There is, and this is why. Although I qualified for a £750 benefit in August, I've never been paid it. It's like a testimonial benefit, I think he's meaning there. Then in brackets, the mirror of putting clubs are not, of course, bound to pay a benefit to anyone. League rules say they may pay one, but they must not must pay it. So it was a choice, a discretionary thing on behalf of clubs. But Jardines clearly feels aggrieved. He goes on. Not many people know that I've delayed re-signing for the club for a week in the hope that it may would force their hand. But with a wife and three children to keep, I couldn't afford to stay out. When I re-signed, I was promised that I would be looked after, and I hope I will be. It has affected my play, I admit, but I have never deliberately played below my best form. I'm too fond of football and too proud of whatever ability I've got to do that. It's just that this benefit grievance has been in the back of my mind. The club have had over five years of service, so yeah, he signed in the early 50s. Um, since I came into the first team, I haven't missed more than about half a dozen games. I've played in every game last season when I was captain, and I was dropped into the reserves for the first time this season only last week. Is that the record of a bad servant? asks Alex, Alex Jardine. Now, all I want to do is to get away from Millwall. I'll go anywhere in the country. I'm only 29 and there's plenty of football in me still. Jardine told me his angry story in the piece of his suburban semi-detached house. His attractive dark-haired wife, Julie, was there too. I'm going to put that in a lower voice for you listeners. 
His attractive, dark-haired wife, Judy, was there too. Alex was dandling, that's a new word I've never heard used, dandling, eight-month-old Buster on his knee, Buster Jardine, that's a good name. Look at him, says Alex. There's the build of a fullback, if ever I saw one. But Mrs. Jardine has the last word. Uh, she says grimly, but he'll not join Millwall, she says. Um, just because they're pretty, Alex, don't mean to say they're so nice. That's the old blues song, isn't it? Um, Charles Hewitt, manager. There's a name managed by Charles Charlie Hewitt. Told Frank McGee last night the directors decided unanimously to place Jardine on the transfer list. It does not indicate a breach of discipline, says Charlie Hewitt. I'm going to come back to him in a moment. Now, as ever, there's always drama at Millwall. Always there's a story at the Den. And 1956 was no different. We've just heard that, um, you know, complaint there from a good servant, Alex Jardine. Um, he did join us in the early 50s. Let me find his. Joined us in 1950 for £700 from Dundee United. We'd go on to play 329 games for the Lions, scoring 26 goals. Um, pretty much an ever-present in the early 1950s. So he was a solid club servant, as he, as he said himself. He wasn't over, overdoing it. Um, and Charles Hewitt, as we all know, and those of you who have bought the Achtung Millwall calendar will know that from by reading his story, was an inveterate rogue. So I dare say Alex was promised something that he never received. Um, and who can blame him for feeling angry? It would be resolved. The denouement of this little drama comes a few days after that story. And this I'm, I'm reading now from a Coventry paper, Coventry Evening Telegraph. Um, local papers then would cover you know, very non-local stories. They were seen a bit like, I suppose a bit like the Evening Standard in London. It's, they're seen as like you know newspapers, not just local papers. But the story, Mill to appoint a new manager, uh, the Mill FC directors are discussing tonight, January the 11th, 1956, the question of a successor to Charles Hewitt, their secretary manager, whose agreement was terminated last night. Um, the directors are also likely to choose a team for the match against Gillingham at New Cross on Saturday. Alex Jardine, the club's right back, has been informed that his name has been taken off of the open to transfer list. Jardine, considered to be one of the best footballers in the third division, was put on the list just over a week ago. Mr Hewitt, Charlie Hewitt, said today that he would be consulting his legal advisers. There is much that I would like to say, declared Mr Hewitt, but I feel it best not to comment at the moment. Uh, I think he took the club to task for unfair dismissal. Um, it was, it, and it was, he, was, he was one of these um, volcanic personalities Charles Hewitt. He's a huge personality. We did touch on him in the shows that I did with Neil, Neil Fissler, during the lockdown earlier in the summertime, touched on him. He is a massive, massive personality and um, much given to personal quarrelling. Um, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a book in Charlie Hewitt, I feel. Um, so he had two spells as Mills manager between 1936 and 44. And from 1948 until the present time, in 1936-37, under his guidance, Mill created history by becoming the first third division club to reach the semi-final. And although it's easy to fall for the Charles Hewitt as kind of 
that's like almost like a monstrous kind of feeling, and I dare say that everything bad that has been written about him is true. There is also the other side of the coin that he really did almost take us to the first division, and but for the intervention of the Second World War, probably would have done. Great men are often like that. They 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 ride roughshod over the the interests of others in the in their own interest, but also the with the aim and purpose of creating greatness. Um, there we are. So Alex Jardine would indeed come back. It would be Charles Hewitt who would depart the den. And Jardine would continue for another season and a bit. 41 appearances would be made in the 56-57 and part of the 57-58 before he would retire injured due to an Achilles tendon injury. Alex Jardine, 329 games, 26 goals. So I hope that you like these little snippets. Get some nice comments, so thank you for those. Do let me know what you think of this show generally. Do give us a rating on the Apple um, website. I'll, I'll stick the link in the, in the show notes of this. I'm going to call it quits next. We've got another show to record later on with Neil. And I don't want to do my voicing. So I hope you enjoy this. This has been the first part of a double header release today. Um, big thank you to you, dear listeners, for all of your help and support. And we'll be back later on today with another show with Neil Andrews. Until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Neil. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky review. Have a good day, Till next time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.